Why do we always do three things when we welcome the... Uh, anyway, I'll get on with it. Group chat in Microsoft Teams with external contacts. Woohoo! Uh, we're going to talk also about floor plan for bookable workspaces from mobile devices. And our headline today is going to be about the SharePoint Admin Center and this fantastic new homepage. It gives you lots of insights. Let's get into it, Daniel. The following episode was recorded live on YouTube. Check out our website at messagecenter.show for all of our episodes. Daryl, I don't, I don't know why we do three. You're, you're saying, mm. why do we do, why do we do three? You know, in our promo when we start our episode, I don't know, but it seems that that's the thing you're supposed to do, right? When you're trying to convince somebody that, hey, you know, you should do these things, you got to give a list of three. Three pillars, three points, three. Well, right, things. because you know. Um, I was taught, I don't know about you, but I was taught when you give a list, you have to give at least three. Because if you, you see, I always have trouble remembering the third thing when I go shopping. Yeah. You know what I use? I use OneNote on my phone. I type it up on the computer, my shopping list, and then I use it on my phone and the check boxes. Anyway, enough about that. <laughs> Daryl, we have some interesting topics this week. And one that the, the headline is actually, I'm finding a lot of value in, and I can't wait to really dive in and talk about it. So uh, we have a few before we get there. So do you want to go ahead and get started? Yeah, that was our uh, first one about group chat within uh, Microsoft Teams with external users. So this is MC255536, and I'm not quoting a movie telephone number. This really is the message. Uh, oh, I'm disappearing behind the message there, but that's all right. Uh, th this is a big deal because I know I shouldn't really keep dragging this up, but remember that time when they said that we hit parity with Skype for business? Well, here's yet another thing that finally it's there and it's given us what we used to have. Um, when you go to chat with someone from outside of your organization uh, today, you can only go into a one-to-one -one chat. Now, are you open federated? Does this mean that you can reach out and talk to people from outside of your organization? Good, okay, start that, that one, what was that? Was that an open federated? Yeah, I was reaching <laughs> nice. out to, yeah. I thought it was Kermit, but he'd forgot to put his cover on. <laughs> you won't get that if you've, if you've listened to the podcast, but we'll, we'll yeah, try and explain it. Um, yeah, so when you are trying to have a conversation with people outside of your organization in Microsoft Teams today, it's just a one-on-one -on -one thing, but this message is about opening up to group chat. Um, so today, before we received this update, um, we were prompted to start up an online meeting if we wanted to do anything beyond one-on-one, -on -one. and that kind of was annoying because... We wanted to add someone to this chat. We wanted to find a uh, subject matter expert and, and add them in or get someone's opinion, and we couldn't do that. So this this is a big deal. Um, it will support up to 250 participants in a group chat. So that means that you can start this group chat. You can add more people to it. It'll have its, its lifetime. It can continue to grow. Um, uh, what else have we got? It's, it's also... Yeah, the key, the key thing too is that you're not going to be just starting a group chat with with just anyone. 
Um, they do have to have a Azure Active Directory account, so effectively a Microsoft Teams account, uh, and that will give them the identity, and that's what you're federating with. Um, just to recap again on what federation means, if you um, if you start a chat with someone inside, well, that's you know that's a trust-based thing. We trust people within our own organization. Um, out of the box, Microsoft Teams is in a, in a mode called Open Federation, which means that you are open to sending and receiving chat messages uh, between organizations who have the same um, Open Federation. A bit like sending an email to anyone. But some organizations also run a, a closed list, um, domains that they accept. And this is probably a good Good, um, good practice to have if you're in a financial institution or something that you want to have more control over who, who you can chat with. Um, so, Daniel, this is a big deal. Uh, can you can you see any immediate need, and we would use this today? Oh, absolutely. I think when we're working on projects, and you know, I I'm a consultant, and so when we're working on projects with a client, it sh it would be great to bring in the whole group together in a chat and not have to have meetings. And we don't uh, do, you know, we don't bring all of our clients in as guests. We don't want to have to go through and really burden them with that. But we also do want to have conversations with them. So oftentimes, mm. unfortunately, um, it's, well, we'll add you, we'll create an account for you on our tenant or we'll add you as a guest in our tenant which means I have to switch, right? I have to switch to their tenant to have conversations. But if you do mm. this way and you have conversations uh, for the whole project, so me and my project manager, my BA, my uh, other technical resource maybe, and then the, the project team on the client side, you know, it, it, <clears throat> not having to switch tenants and all that just to have a conversation. Uh, I could see other mm. applications as well, the outside of consulting or project work. But uh, for me, that's that's where we're going to use it the most. Fantastic. Yeah. So uh, the other workaround was, hey, why don't you just create a team and invite guests in and, and start your conversations that way? But yeah, there is a, a need for sometimes that low friction group chat. Uh, so anyway, this is rolling out mid-May. So that's now-ish. Uh, and should be complete uh, late July. I know this is, it's our trademark, man. Now-ish. Now-ish, that's and right. And we say ish because it could always be updated, couldn't it? It could. So yeah. let's let's do our next one. And let's make a list Move of these on. things. And let's okay. make comments do that. This one is setting to turn. Oh, okay, basic. Uh, I don't like the way this is phrased. Setting to turn off on comments for a list mc255695 and this is for sharepoint lists to if you're working with lists you know uh working with them there is the ability to have comments on a list item and there is a tenant option in microsoft 365 to turn off comments uh, for your whole tenant so no lists would be able to do comments. <clears throat> but uh, with this release, uh, which is rolling out targeted release mid-May, which is now-ish, uh, and completed to roll out to late May, and then standard release 
late May to mid-June, this allows you to be kind of surgical, uh, be more precise as to where you want to allow and not allow comments in a list. Now, there, if you have turned comments off already, then you won't need to deal with this. They're going to be turned off unless you want to turn comments on for a particular list. However, <clears throat> if you have it turned off now and you want to turn it on for a particular list, you have to turn it on for your tenant. And then you have to go through all your list and turn them off. And then turn on for that one that you want to turn it on for. So, um, it, it, the only part that I'm a little fuzzy on is if you have to go through all your list and turn off comments, I'm not sure if it's going to stay off or if it's going to be default on, but what was the default? Yeah. The default state would determine whether this is going to be a massive task or not. Right. So <clears throat> see, it says if an admin had previously turned off commenting for the entire organization, they can now turn on commenting for the organization and then turn off commenting for specific lists. So if you read that and just, just what the words are there, if you had previously mm -hmm. turned them off for the entire organization with that one switch, and then you turn it on with that one switch, it says admins can then go and turn off commenting for specific lists. So if you have this, this thought of, oh, I have this one list, that I want to allow commenting on or five, but the 5,000 other lists I want to leave commenting off, then this probably won't work for you <laughs> because I'm just reading this on the surface. You're going to have to go through those 5,000 and after you've turned it on, go through and turn them off and then turn it on for those specific ones. Say so this message is geared toward the other way around. I want to, mm -hmm. I want to turn it on at the tenant and then turn it off only for a few. Cause I want to make sure people are not, but if you do it the other way, then I'm not entirely sure that, um, it's going to work because the way I, the way I understand it is you have to turn it on at the tenant level for it to show up for you to be able to turn it on at the list level. Oh, it's the way I understand yeah, it. The control's not there. Yeah. It's the way I understand it. Um, and the way I read it. So, you know, if that's the case, then just be aware. Um, and really, what, what's the use of this? Um, I'm going to ask you, Daryl, if you've ever you know used commenting in a list. But um, for me, commenting in a list really brings um, the connection, the discussion, doing more with that list item and, and having conversation around that list item without having to um, you know, have a notes field, which is kind of a, the, mm. you know, an official part of that record of the list item or whatever it, you know, instead of creating a column, I can just make comments and we can kind of, you know, talk about it this way. Um, what have you ever used this functionality? Um, you have thoughts on this? Nope. <clears throat> okay. I, I'm not saying that it wouldn't be useful. Yeah. I, I just think that because, because it hasn't really been, the forefront of the way that we work, yeah. Um, it would it'd be something that you'd coach into a habit, or you would yeah. have for a list and use it for a specific purpose. 
Um, so I, I would prefer this setting to be the other way around. Default is off and turn it on where you need to. But, you know, we're used to seeing this from yeah. the way Microsoft rolls out functionality. And, and let's address, you know, why would you want to turn it off? I think I've worked with organizations that, you know, they wanted to turn off all social. They didn't want people liking news or making comments on news. And so this is right up their alley. They don't want, you know, people talking mm. about stuff. Uh, because who knows what they'll say? They may say something bad. Um, but the, I think the other thing is if your organization is all about making comments within documents and people are used to making comments that way, then when you're working with list item, you know, you don't have a document, but you could, you know, be making comments on that list item. So you know, this could be very useful depending upon how your organization works and, and mm. you know, how your users um, have been trained and, and work. And I feel like um, if this is something that you um, that you might that you are already using or might want to use, then definitely take a look at this and figure out how you want to manage this. Um, don't rely on that all switch, um, especially if you want to just allow it on a few list items. Daryl, sticky with comments, mate. I know that's what I said. So let's stick with (laughs) comments and talk about how we could do it in documents. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Now, I I use comments a lot in co-authoring and trying to to get to a a final version with with team members and with clients as well. Um, Now, this uh, usually is an experience that I heavily use in Word, uh, and in this. Message announcing PowerPoint modern comments for enterprise general availability, MC256459, is about being able to have a richer commenting experience in PowerPoint. In Word today, use at mentions, uh, you can assign tasks to people, you can use the comments feature in, in a way that let's discuss what we need to change here and then resolve comments. That kind of goodness comes over to the PowerPoint experience as well. Um, but what, what I like about this too is beforehand, uh, when you put a comment on a slide in PowerPoint, it sort of it's anchored to wherever you put it. And you could be pointing at an object, pointing at a text box, pointing at a shape or something and saying, look, hey, change change the way this looks or can you change this up so that um, the color is different or um, that you use a, a slightly different format. And the comment would just float there. And if you moved something out of the way, the comment is now no longer connected to this object. And this is one of the great things called uh, it's anchoring comments to objects. So that when you make a comment about an object and you drag it somewhere else and you shift it, it will follow it around. Now, Daniel, uh, I'll keep this one brief, but I, I heard that when there was this, this similar feature talked about on uh, on socials, you had some kind of pushback and people were concerned about the editing and commenting experience. Commenting experience. Yeah, I think the really, and this was uh, really a, around Word, uh, modern comments. And it really was, I understand people have a way of working. And when Microsoft changes things that impacts that way of working, um, it can be negative, but can also be positive. And for these users, it was negative. Uh, the things I was hearing um, 
a was it's taking up too much space it is you know it's being obtrusive you know intrusive on what i'm trying to do within the space um which i I think it's i feel like and maybe you would agree i think you do agree that you know uh it's not really thinking about comments the way it's supposed to it's not about making a little comment and keep working it's really about we're trying to make comments and get things fixed and get things working and and collaborate together so it needs some space but i get it it, it makes an impact the, the one valid thing about modern comments though i think is that it it's not integrated with the previous comments types so mm. um it's not going to change those or upgrade those they're existing and they're going to stay there um so it's not the same and it's not uh they're not retroactive or anything so that is something to keep in mind um when you're working with these but i think that one thing you just mentioned and and it's actually the first bullet on this list in this message is the comment will now anchor to objects rather than uh to the point that is put on the slide and so now when Mm. you move that even if it's based on the comment hey someone made a comment and said should this thing be over here and you move it over here, move it to the left or right or wherever they suggested, then that comment stays with it and say, did I address your comment? Well, if the comment's way over here, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. So I I like this. Um, I'll I'll blast through some of the other considerations uh, because this is dependent on the feature being turned on within your tenant. Um, so it is something that if you as a tenant organizer, a tenant admin rather, uh, don't want to use in your org, you can turn it off. And they'll be interested to know why you want to turn something like this off. But uh, it, it's also, uh, what else have we got here? Um, it's rolling out uh, to, to, um, to different channels across uh, Office 365 or the Office um, applications on your desktop. So keep in mind too that if you've got people receiving different versions or different channels of Office as it rolls out, then some will have it, some won't. Uh, and there's definitely this clear line where it's going to support, uh, where was it? Modern comments can't be read by PowerPoint 2019 or older. So you really do have to be on the uh, Microsoft 365 uh, version of Office and it's it's up to date, right up to date. Um, so yeah, as I said, that was, uh, I haven't yet actually, expected to be rolling out in the update channel for current channel users starting in late June. Uh, expect current channel production rollout complete late August um, and semi-annular channels beginning September 2021. Uh, big message, take a closer look if, if this is a, uh, a thing you want to let people know about or if it's a concern for you as an admin. But Daniel, uh, keeping it moving along, this is our headline about the SharePoint Admin Center. And you have a demo prepared for us too as you talk about this. We'll be able to see something. SharePoint Admin Center, new homepage insights dashboard, MC256460. This is indeed all about a new uh, dashboard for SharePoint admins. Uh, Rolling out mid-May, which is now-ish, and expected to phase uh, the rollout to complete in late June for those on targeted release, and then standard late June to late July. This really gives us some new, uh, brings together insights that you really can't have to go all over the place to find. 
and uh, things like SharePoint storage, uh, site usage, file activity, same thing for OneDrive, searching uh, sites, etc. So as Daryl mentioned, yes, I'd like to do a demo. We can, we can see it here, a screenshot in the uh, message. So it, for those of you that don't have it yet, uh, you can see the screenshot. But I did want to kind of show <clears throat> the dashboard here. And just like, you know, very similar to the screenshot, we have our site search and our various tiles here showing usage and file activity. Yes, this is my demo tenant. So um, don't look at my number, you know, active users one, you're gonna what? Um, so yeah, this, it doesn't give a whole lot of insights into what's going on, because there's not a whole lot going on on this demo tenant. But these tiles really give us um, a, uh, a good landing page, we can also add uh, other cards of uh, the OneDrive and sensitivity labels. Um, and I would envision there being more cards added as options to, to add to this in the future. So so if I was in a SharePoint admin role, um, how would I find this uh, more useful than what we had beforehand? Yeah, as I mentioned, as I was going into this, it before we really have to go look for things in different places. For instance, mm -hmm. and right here on the screen, we see it front row is the message center. Um, if we wanted to see updates about SharePoint as a SharePoint admin, think about it that way. I'm a SharePoint admin. I'm not an admin of Exchange or Team. I'm a SharePoint admin. How do you know? Do I need a place to go to see all of this? And this is it. I can see filtered messages for SharePoint in the message center right here. So I don't have to go to the message center and do a filter and and see that. I have a access to the service health dashboard. SharePoint items only here. So I'm a SharePoint admin, I need to know what's going on in health. I can see it here. I can do this quick search on active sites. I think um, probably a third of the times that I'm going into the SharePoint admin center, I'm looking for a site. I, that, that's the actual thing I do is search. And so that's why I'm glad it's here because I have to go into SharePoint and then I have to go and click on sites and then go to active sites. Uh, over on the left hand side and then go click on search. So this is going to save me several clicks um, to get there. So uh, I think that hopefully I'm not alone and probably because it's there that maybe the telemetry told them everyone, you know, a third of what the people are doing is searching on sites. So let's give them a card right up front so they can just do it rather than have to click, click, click. Um, so I think that's really the, the huge benefit of this uh, is a dashboard for my role as a SharePoint admin, it does. And, and I expect to see similar kind of pattern across different services as well. Uh, don't I don't think so. teams looks like this yet, but yeah, that, that's a uh, hope that similar kinds of things, uh, appear there for those who are managing the yep. quality of calls and all that sort of stuff. Agreed. So can we start, can we keep on SharePoint? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, let's do that. Uh, and it, it's actually uh, quite a nice merge here, too. SharePoint News in the Yammer feed, MC256472. Um, this is uh, something, actually, that I, I checked when I was reading through this, and it said it's already sitting there uh, on, um, on the Yammer mobile experience. I thought, really? Hang on, I'm just going through there. actually found a, a shot there of – on a probably Daniel can't display it, but I went through and there was a news article that I wrote for our 
uh, our New Zealand office to say, hey, we're moving office. And it appeared in the, the Yammer feed um, as a, a news post, not as a Yammer and then a link to the news, but the news came indirectly to the feed. And so that's that's the feature. It's about trying to surface more of the news that you have access to, and it's going to come into the Yammer feed. The interesting thing is that uh, it's it's not going to mess with with other things that would normally be in the Yammer feed. Uh, conversations that might have been pinned there and that they're featured conversations, they're going to be uh, also just still where they are, up front and center content that you've subscribed to or communities that you belong to, it's all going to come still into that feed. But yeah, this interesting fact here about um, that there will be, there's a 3% chance of you seeing SharePoint news posts if there's one available. That's a pretty low percentage, Daniel, if, if I might say so. It's more than one, but yes. it's, it's three. Yeah, um, they really don't want SharePoint news to intrude on your Yammer conversationness. It's very interesting. Yeah, I know you want to correct me. Yeah. No, no, I it, I think it's it's just very interesting. It's like it, can you imagine that meeting where it was where it was dis decided what the percentage would be? <clears throat> 3. Well, yeah. I'm just wondering if it was uh, like it, Yammer sitting around going, "No, you can't put stuff in here." Come on. We really need our SharePoint news in there. Maybe 3% a, a starting point, and they'll dial it up or dial it down. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I think this may be positioning towards uh, is that it's the next step towards Microsoft Viva Connections slash 2. Yeah. Today we have our home site. We have various other things down the side that are relevant to us. Uh, but what we will soon see is that feed, which brings everything together. And I think this is probably part of it, bringing things together for for Viva Connections. Um, so, yeah, let's look for that rolling out in late May. Expect it to be complete late June. Uh, if you want to see what it's like and your organization uses Yammer now, you might have a few news posts in your Yammer feed on your mobile app. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, Daniel, there's we're going to go percent chance now. Yeah, three percent chance. Quick mentions. Quick mentions. Um, yes. Starting with Outlook. Go ahead. Outlook new position for send button in iOS MC two five six zero two five. I threw this in here. I mean, it's some. It's one of those. Oh, that's just a small little change, Daniel. Why in the world are you talking about that? I, I think yes. I one hundred percent agree with you. It's a small change, and no pun intended because it's on mobile. Because so it's small. But it's, I think it's big. If you do any emailing on your mobile and you're just used to going up there and clicking that send button and I'm showing it on screen, it's, you know, it's at the top right. Well, they're moving it to the bottom right and you're just going to have to get used to that. So, I, you know, <clears throat> how do you got to get, get your thumb in there, right? Yeah. I, I, well, I, I yeah. I, do you have like a large phone? Uh, it's not huge. It's it's an okay. <laughs> um, I reckon this feature was brought in from from those people that love to get the pro and the max versions of yeah. phones, and they're already they've got their thumb to the full yeah. span of the yep. try and hit that send <clears throat> button. I I don't know that this helps that much because it just brings it down, you know. But um, anyway, I think just be aware that this is happening, and um, you might get 
where's my button? So you listen to us and now you know where the button is. <laughs> immersive reader on OneDrive and SharePoint. Yep. That's right. Um, the immersive reader to is coming to SharePoint pages and news posts. Actually, I've just clicked a different one. Let's see, I was confused about that. There are two immersive reader messages. So let me get into the right one. Okay. But be prepared for the same kind of experience. Within uh, OneDrive and SharePoint for documents, open up that document. You'll get a, a full screen view of what that document is. And the immersive reader will read it out to you. And it'll you know trace its way across the page as it's reading to you. Uh, I have used the immersive reader sometimes when I want to, I'm writing a script for something, for a video, for work or whatever, and I want to hear it read back to me so that I can kind of get an idea about how it sounds rather than me reading it out loud on a train. Because <laughs> people are like, do I really care about name mine? Um, so yeah, this this is a good good feature. Uh, this is rolling out mid-May, complete late June. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, great to see it in OneDrive and SharePoint. What else? Migrate content from Dropbox to Microsoft 365 MC256476. This is a quick mention only because we talked about this functionality uh, last week uh, when we were talking about Google Workspace. And uh, this is just another endpoint or source point maybe uh, another um, service that we can now use the migration manager in Microsoft 365 to migrate content from Dropbox this is uh, rolling out public preview in late May um, complete rollout by early June and it will enable you to do Dropbox folders files um, and users to SharePoint OneDrive and of course teams as part of that and I know there are quite a bit of people that have Dropbox in their organization, whether it's their their main and they're trying to move to using OneDrive or they have it as an auxiliary, whether that's shadow IT, you know, using it when they didn't like something with, with existing technology. But um, this is, <clears throat> remember the, the benefits of this is discoverability, uh, is reporting, and management, right? Um, over mover.io, uh, doing it migration manager, we have all of that together with all of the other migration content um, and jobs that we're doing. So really excited about, I mean, I think this is a big one. Dropbox is, is one that a lot of organizations are using. So uh, you mentioned floor, floor plans, plans. Daniel. yes. I did, yeah. Uh, this is for workspace booking and mobile devices. Uh, there are a lot of people that are starting to shift back to work as, mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. there are vaccinations that are being received and, and offices are opening up with all sorts of guidance. And you can book workspaces, book desks, and there's various different processes around that for what happens in your workplace. Uh, a workspace uh, that you can book uh, can have a floor plan attached to it. And this is quite useful if you're trying to figure out where you want to sit and how you want to communicate that to other team members. There's quite a process for getting a floor plan um, set up. And like Daniel's showing the mobile experience of what this looks like when you go in and schedule that space. I'm using this desk. I'm booking it just like a meeting room. And if you're smart too, you'll probably be sharing a few more details so people can see that you have booked and you're at that desk. But to get to that point, uh, if Daniel, if you can scoot on down to how to add floor plans, there we go. 
um, there are quite a number of steps to to get this done uh, from you know, getting your your floor pan together, it's got to be in DWG format. You've got to rep. You've got to have text in a certain format as well. And and when you're um, formatting the building number and office number and floor, it's got to be in a certain way as well. So if you haven't done this already as an organisation, it could be seen as quite a massive task, especially if you already struggled to keep your Active Directory up to date. My suggestion would be that to help people prepare to come in back into work is that maybe you just center that efforts around floor plans for these bookable workspaces. Just get those sorted and then have a plan to to deal with the rest later on because this this will really help. Um, so yep, quite a quite a few steps there. It's leveraging Microsoft Search and the floor plan capability and being surfaced in the mobile app. So that is coming out, uh, but rolling early May. So it's actually hereish, <laughs> hereish nowish, here-ish. wasish. Um, expect to be complete mid-May. It's done. It's done and dusted, Daryl. I mean, come on, um, we're done. Uh, what else have we got here? We got our callback. Call yeah, callback. Yeah, callback. Call uh, I bring this one up, and maybe we had mentioned it um, in reasonably, yeah, like kind of like recent recent um, times the uh, there has been some frustration uh, with people as they join meetings and they try to go and participate in chat and all of a sudden they're like well hang on I can't get back into that chat that chat's disappeared what's happening this is a message uh, updated updates to meeting chat membership and this is MC double two six four zero seven first published 11th of November. And that's when they started talking about it. It's received a few updates, like most messages have in the message center. And it was last updated March 2nd. Um, it finished rolling out end of April. And I think that's when most people started to see this strange behavior where they try to get back into the chat, but they're no longer part of it. And Daniel, it's it's been something, a, a side project of mine to try and get a video together to try and explain this. But have you experienced this frustration yet? Yes, I have. Um, I've I've actually experienced some weird uh, chat uh, for meetings and how it's behaving. There's actually something else that's kind of weird. Uh, I was attending a Microsoft meeting, so I don't I don't think I can talk about what it was, but it was kind of odd uh, when I entered. What anyway? But then, so I have experienced this issue where you leave a meeting and it's like, wait. We're, how do I get back into that um, mm. for if, if I'm not a member of that, you know, that team uh, for that channel? Um, yep. Yeah. You know, it's, it's all about security. Um, and that's why they brought this behavior in to try and standardize it. And yes, it's caused a bit of confusion to start with, but there have been some semi dangerous uh, situations where people have been invited to be part of a meeting. Maybe they guests, a guest speaker for a meeting series and they'd be left in there and they get to see some privileged content that they probably shouldn't have. Um, similarly, if you're adding people in while you're in the meeting as a subject matter expert or trying to get some advice and you don't really want them to be part of the rest of the meeting, uh, but they, they have been. So that behavior is about trying to catch that. But there is um, 
some things you have to take a closer look at. And yes, I will try and eventually get this video out. I've had some good feedback and input from various people in the community. But it, there is some way to understanding how do we get this, uh, how do we set up the meeting that we intend to set up and, and what kind of level of collaboration do we want for people who are invited to the meeting, people who have had the meeting invite forwarded because maybe they've just joined the team and now they need to be part of this series, people that are outside of the organization and what do organizers need to think about now when they're creating these meeting invites and well, updating and it, them. It makes sense. And I, you know, from a security perspective and not just security, you know, it's, it's a, um, uh, just, a kind of a keeping it in the house kind of business, you know, of, you know, we don't want, just like you mentioned, we invite someone in to talk to us uh, on this certain meeting instance of the series. We don't want them to also see the things we, we have been chatting about and that we will chat about in the future. We don't want to have to worry about that. So I, mm. I like this. It's just, you're right. There is some confusion around, wait, I, you know, I was in that meeting. Why can't I get back? Especially when you were and you have been part of the series for months mm. and then all of a sudden you can't get back in. It's all about how you were invited to that series. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's been a lot of backpedaling. Anyway, we'll, we'll address that in a, another video somewhere and, and talk through it. But just, yeah. just spend some time taking a look at it. It's in action. This is the reason why people are getting some of this strange behavior and, and not really understanding what's going on. But that is it for the week for callbacks. Yes, and that um, brings us to the weekly reminder for you to smash that subscribe button below to hit the thumbs up so that everyone can find our message and to ring-a-ling-a-ling -a -ling the bell so uh, you can be reminded of when we go live in the future. Our socials are M365MCS, so get us on Twitter and Facebook and um LinkedIn and Instagram and I don't know. Are we on Snapchat yet? I don't think we are. Um, but uh, please follow us and, and let us know what you would like about the show and giving any suggestions you have for the show. would love to, to hear those as well. Um, this is episode 195. Thank you for joining us, everyone. And we will catch you next time. Bye for now. Bye-bye.